You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. Testing, testing, one, two, testing, testing, one, two. Yep, we are back, up and running, Baruch Hashem. Welcome back to Torah Sparks. Um, where do we begin? Well, here, I mean, I guess try to think of something stressful, yeah? I mean, just just think about stress. Even just the word stress makes you stress, right? You know what I'm talking about? So, you know, Baruch Hashem maybe was uh, a couple months ago, my wife and I made a kiddush for our daughter, and it was a stressful Friday afternoon, let's just say, because the Kiddush was going to be that Shabbos morning, and we were trying to get everything ready, everything, okay, so we were at, uh, it wasn't a hall, it was more like, uh, we rented out like a little place, and we were all, we were, a bunch of us were there um, Friday afternoon, and it was just stressful, let me tell you, it was, it, uh, first of all, we put up like three chillin' pots, we put up kugel, and all of a sudden, the power went out. So you could imagine that was stressful, but something else happened that was even more stressful. At some point, you know, it was raining, it was storming outside, there was wind, and all of a sudden we heard a huge boom and the whole building that we were in shook and a tree actually fell on the ceiling. Um, there actually, it made a hole through the ceiling, dust from the ceiling fell down and I'm telling you, that was stressful, but wait, there's more. Okay, there was something even more stressful. And you know what it was? It was the kitchen fan. That's right, the kitchen fan was on. Can I ask you, my friends, is there anything more stressful in life when the kitchen fan is on? It's like you you try doing stuff, you try doing your regular activities or, or, or preparing for a kiddush or whatever you're doing, but that kitchen fan is on in that background, that ambient noise, and it's just so annoying. It's so stressful. Um, there's a fascinating article. The article I found in Scientific American is the name of what it's called, and it's written by a guy named Mark Andrews, and or at least this article is written by him. He says, according to the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, yes, that exists, ambient noise also affects people's health by increasing general stress levels and aggravating stress-related conditions such as high blood pressure, coronary disease, peptic ulcers, and migraine headaches. Continued exposure does not lead to habituation. In fact, the effects worsen. And he goes on to say how recent research also suggests that noise-induced stress may decrease dopamine availability in the prefrontal cortex of the human being, where the hormone controls the flow of information from other parts of the body. Stress resulting from background noise, then, may decrease higher brain function, impairing learning and memory. So I actually did research on this. Like, how, how many decibels is it until it's like it's like unbearable it's like just really annoying what's considered healthy and not so so the answer is 65 65 decibel levels is like the normal like if you're at a restaurant and there's like murmuring conversations in the background it's like you know average about like 65 decibels so that's not really annoying but once it starts getting more than that it starts getting irritating and kind of where this you know, can affect the person and, and increase that stress level. So it happens to be I, I downloaded a decibel meter app on my phone just to and put it next to our fan um, at home and to kind of see. And it actually was like 
it was almost like 75 decibels. So rightfully so. You know, the, the, the kitchen fan, when it's on, it just makes everything more stressful. That's like just how it works. And if you think about it, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lesson. You know, it's a lesson in life, you know, because, you know, taking it out of the physical context from a figurative perspective, you know, there's always this ambient noise, this background noise. You know, we're trying to live our lives truthful, true to, true to the word of God, right? True to our values, our core beliefs, what, what, what we're all about, according to what the Torah says, etc. But there's always this, there's this background noise, there's this ambient noise, and sometimes it just gets louder and louder and louder, and especially in, in, in our day and age that we're living today, um, you know, the, the background noise that exists is so loud, and there's so many of these, like, forces and ideas and, and I- ideals and ideologies and, and culture beliefs and things that the world is telling us. It, it's hard. It's hard to ignore it. It's very, very hard. Um, you know, when Hashem was giving the Torah to the Jewish people, there was a person who converted to Yiddishkeit, and that was Yisro. Vayishma Yisro. Yisro heard. He heard about everything. He heard about Sinai. He heard about the Exodus, etc. And he turned his life around. Again, he was on the tippy top of the top when it came to to the to high stature in the non-Jewish world. But he threw it all away because he heard the word of God calling. He heard that, and he he realized, oh my gosh, how can I how can I how can I not connect to this? And I want to tell you a fascinating, fascinating Gemara that I heard from a Rebbe of mine. And the Gemara is in Zvachim. Why did I hear from a Rebbe of mine? I should learn the Gemara in Zvachim, true. But at this point in my life, I didn't learn the Gemara. I only heard it. But the Gemara in Zvachim, Kufta Zion, explains how when there were Kulus and Brachim, there was lightning, there was thunder, there was loud, it was a lot of commotion by Harsinai when Hashem was giving the Torah. And the people of the world, the people of the world, the, the Umosa Olam, the non-Jews, they came running to their leader, who is their spiritual leader, and that's where the relevance really to this week's parasha, Parsha's Balak. It was Bilam, Bilam Harasha. Bilam, so they came running to Bilam. They said, Bilam, what's going on? What's up with all the noise? Is, is the Mabul coming? Bilam said, no, Mabul, Hashem promised. What do you mean, remember the rainbow? Hashem promised. No Mabul, no more Mabul. So they, they said, well, maybe, maybe Hashem is destroying the world with fire in some, or some other way. Bilam said, no, 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 no. Bilam said, no, Hashem's not going to do that either. So what's the whole commotion, Bilam? What's going on? Bilam told them something, something amazing. You know what Bilam told them? He said, Hashem is giving the Jewish people a treasure a treasure that was stored and and hidden for all these years, and Hashem is giving them this treasure. And that's what this whole commotion is all about. That's what all this noise, all this all this um all this hustle and bustle, all these close and brachim, Hashem is revealing the Torah to the Jewish people. And they went on their merry way. And Rabbi Katz, my Rebbe, now Mashkiach in Yeshiva's Torah Chaim, he explained, he explained that for these people the fact that there was a treasure being given from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to humanity, that made no difference. They just turned the other way around because for them, oh, Hashem's not destroying the world? Oh, there's not a mobble coming? There's not a fire about to burn the world down? Oh, okay, it's fine. We'll go finish our show. We'll go finish our latest episode. We'll go finish whatever we were in the middle of doing. We'll go finish eating our bacon sandwich from Dunkin'. We'll, we're, we'll go finish whatever we're, we're, we're doing. At, at least the world's not being destroyed. Okay, phew. Yeah, sigh of relief. We could go back to my merry way. But that wasn't the case for Yisro. Yisro, he heard all of this commotion. He heard all these calls and brought him. He realized, oh my gosh, there's a treasure being given from a Kodesh to humanity? 
I'm no few, no throwing that away, no going back to my old way of living. I'm going to change that. I'm going to produce more. I'm going to turn the sides and, and, and go to the other side. I'm going to go to the Jewish people, and I'm going to connect to them, to their God, to their Torah. Um, you know, there's a fascinating diuk, and I, I'm saying this because it's relevant, because the way this um, Dvar Torah was developed really connects to me. And this was an idea that actually I had when I was in base Medrash. It's my own vart. And I, I said it over to a Rebbe of mine. His name is Rabbi Geisler. And again, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. He told me, oh my gosh, that is, that is an, an amazing vart. He took my hand and brought me to the Rebbe's room, okay? Now, listen, I don't know if you've ever seen a Rebbe's room, but there's coffee in there, okay? Okay, that's not the point. There were other Rebbeim in there, and it was, it, was, it was intense. He brought me to the Rebbe's room, and he said, he told me, tell them, tell them this vart. It was so beautiful. And, and I, first of all, I never forgot that vart. And second of all, it just showed me the chashivas um, that the Rebbe had for his Talmud. It, it, it taught me so much, just that incident. But ex- I'll, I'll tell you what I, what I, what I said said, I had an observation, and that was as follows. In the beginning of Parshas Balak, the Torah says, Vayar Balak ben Sipar, Yisrael la'emori. And Balak, the son of Tzipar, saw all Eskola Asa Yisrael Amori, all that the Jewish people did to the Amorites. Okay, they, they, they fought them and, and destroyed them. If you notice, there's a, there's a dramatic nuance if you look at the first Pasuk of Parshas Yisro, which we actually quoted, um, we, we referenced Yisro before, but it says, Vayishma Yisro. What does it say after that? Vayishma Yisro. Again, it doesn't say Vayar, it says Vayishma. Vayishma Yisro, Kohen Midian Chosein Moshe, Eis Kol Asher Asa Elohim Lemoshe Ulisrael Amo. Okay, so notice the difference. The, the, these two psukim are very similar. Both of them have, a, so to speak, a wicked person, a non-Jew, let's say like that, a Gentile, who saw, who witnessed something miraculous, but notice the difference. And they both use the, use the words, Eis kol asa. When it comes to Yisro, it says, Eis kol asa Elohim Moshe. He saw all that, he heard all that Hashem did to Moshe and the Jewish people. But by Balak, it says, all that the Jewish people did to the Emori. Is there any reference? Is there any mention of HaKadosh Baruch Hu when it came to Balak? Absolutely not. Hashem was not in the picture. Hashem was not involved at all. And that's exactly where he went wrong. He didn't see Hashem in the picture. He, yeah, he saw the Jewish people. These, the, the, Wow, this nation just defeated the Emorites and he got scared of them. That's why he went to go get Bilam to curse them, yada, yada, yada. But... There was no reference, there was no, there was no, he didn't see Hashem. There was so much ambient noise, there was so much of this external stuff going on, he couldn't even see Hashem. You know, when you, when, when you, take, when you take a picture, right, you see a picture of people, and you say, oh my gosh, what's missing, Who, who's missing? You know the person, the one being that's missing from every picture? The one that's taking the picture. And, you know, in, in a lesson for life, it's every moment of life is, is another picture. Yeah, it's another picture on the big grand film of life, on, me, on the memory card of, of, of whose camera? Of God's camera, Hashem's camera. Hashem is the one taking the picture. So if ever we, we're, just, we're hearing all this outside noise and we're involved in something and it's, something's difficult and we feel like there's something missing from the picture or just what's going on, 
I don't understand what's going on. You have to always realize, yeah, you know who's taking the picture? You know who set us up here? It's the the photographer. It's it's a Kodesh Baruch. He's the one. You might not be able to see him. He's hiding behind the camera. He's right. That's why the world is called Olam. It's from the Lushan of Helam, hidden. A Kodesh Baruch who's hidden from the world, but he's taking the pictures. He's snapping the pictures. He's setting us up. Where do we stand and where do we go? Um, and, and we have to be able to recognize him and see him. Balak missed the boat. He wasn't able, he did not see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no mention of Hashem at all. As opposed to Yisro, he noticed, He noticed, yeah, a lot of good stuff was going on. Look at this, the Jewish people just left Mitzrayim. But he noticed who was the one taking the picture, who was the one behind it. He realized there was Elohim, there was Hashem. There was Hashem there involved. I'll end off with a fascinating story that kind of resonated really with me. I heard this from Rabbi Rotman, Rosh Shiva of Merkaz Torah, and he explained there was once a guy um, who had it, everything well in his life. Baruch Hashem, things were going well and smooth. And he had his, this tradition, a custom. I don't, that's the same thing. He, he had a minhag, okay, better. Um, so he would, every Friday afternoon, before Shabbos, he would go on a walk by himself with God. And he would walk on the sand. He'd take off his shoes or his sandal lamb. He'd walk on the sand. And there were his footprints. And right next to him, there were two other footprints. It was the footprints of God. And this happened every week on Friday. And again, things were going well in his life. Baruch Hashem, things were going just fine and dandy. And every week he would do this walk and he would see his footprints and Hashem's footprints. But then things started to change and things started becoming difficult in his life. He lost his job. Um, you know, Parnassus was difficult now. Um, his kids weren't doing so well in school. His Shalom Bias was having issues, etc. And he went on this walk on Friday and he noticed that he... He only, he only noticed one pair of footprints, and that was, that was his own. He only noticed one pair of footprints. He looked to the side. God's footprints weren't there anymore, and he looked up to HaKadosh Baruch He looked up to the sky and said, Hashem, when it's easy, then you're with me, then you're walking with me, but now now that it's my life, I'm finding things difficult. I'm a little bit confused. There's all this ambient noise. Now that I'm confused, and it's, then you abandon me? And a loud booming voice came out from heaven. And Hashem said, no, 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 my son, you have it all wrong. You see, that footprint right now, that single set of footprints, you know whose footprints those are? Those are my footprints. Those are my footprints. And I'm carrying you on my shoulders. And, and the lesson really struck home. It's, it's this idea is no matter what happens to us in life, and no matter where we are, things might look things might be clear and sometimes things are blurry but we have to always realize even when things are blurry HaKadosh Baruch Hu is carrying us on his shoulders he's there he's holding us he, he's holding us on, and we're on his shoulders and, and we're protected and we're fine and we'll be okay um, that's the message I want to leave off with you today thank you so much for listening and have a holy awesome week